Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and joining me, as always, none other than the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, we just talked some Browns, now we're talking some Ravens. Great day to be great. How are you? Man, it is a great day to be great, Ian. Always, when I get to hang out on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast with you. Like, look at you. You're so dedicated, even on vacation. That just shows you how much you love what you're doing. But you're also just dedicated and you're a hard worker. But yeah, man, happy to be here. Um, excited about this team. Like, the Ravens are one of these teams where um, I don't think we really have a ton of questions, but there's a lot of potential, you know, for us to mine from a fantasy perspective. I think it's pretty straightforward with like what we can expect from the team as far as like where we think targets and stuff will go. And guess what? They happen to have some really talented players. So these are always fun. As always on the team preview edition, we're going to go through some of the coaching changes, roster changes, then get into the nitty gritty quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. So thank you guys for tuning in. As always, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever you are listening slash watching us, Let's get after it. Looking at the coaching staff, head coach John Harbaugh back to lead the Ravens for the 14th consecutive season, joined by longtime offensive coordinator Greg Roman, who has helped direct Lamar Jackson directly since 2019. So offseason reports continue to indicate that the Ravens are looking to party like it's 2019 again on offense, which means running the hell out of the football. In 2019, 50.1% pass play rate in non-garbage time situations. That ranked dead last in the league. 2020, dead last in the league. Last year rose all the way up to 11th in terms of pace they've been 27th 30th and 26th so they rank first in total run plays in the league since 2019 and 27th in dropbacks now we'll get to all of you freaking not saying you listeners but you know we all realize there are some lamar jackson passing slanders out there we'll get to that in a minute but Dwayne, it does seem like the ravens want to possibly lead the league in rush attempts again and to be fair, it was just kind of a perfect storm last year for them not to run the ball the same way, to lose your top, not one, not two, your top three running backs before the season starts. And then to have Lamar Jackson go down and halfway point, and never really come back the same. It made sense why they boomed up to 11th. I do not think they're going to be above average. If I had to pick, you know, the five most run heavy teams ahead of 2022, the Ravens will be one of them. Yeah, I think we're going to see that again. Um, and, and again, we'll, we'll get to Lamar in a second, but like, the Ravens were best when you were just allowing Lamar to play through efficiency, right? Um, think back old school Seattle before Russ was cooking, but how Russ would still come through with all these, you know, he could still come through with these really good fantasy seasons by hitting the deep ball and by using his legs. I think that's what we're looking for with Lamar Jackson, but obviously Jackson has a bigger upside as far as, you know, just uh, from a pure rusher standpoint versus what we saw with Wilson, probably less upside, you know, as a pure passer. So I think, you know, he lands, you know, still squarely, you know, as someone that obviously will be targeting, we'll be talking about it more in fantasy drafts. But yeah, I 100% agree. I think this is one of those teams that when we look at it, they're going to want to get back to doing, um, based on all the offseason moves we've seen, I think reading all the tea leaves, you know, um, just kind of monitoring all the storylines, it does really seem to point towards the Ravens wanting to get back to running the football. Looking at the specific roster moves now, backup quarterback Josh Johnson, who I love reminding people of this, threw for 300 yards for both the Jets and the Ravens last year and his only two extended appearances after not playing in the NFL since 2018. Hopefully he gets the job done in Denver, beats out Brett Ripien for that backup job, but it will just be the Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley show for now in Baltimore. Running back Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray remain unrestricted free agents. Shout out to Freeman, man, because there are a lot of these veteran running backs that a lot of people just thought were washed last year freeman did show he still has some juice in the tank only elijah mitchell actually had more touches on the season without a single drop or fumble that's a sort of reliable veteran you should be looking for at the position also lost tyson williams signed a one-year deal with the colts did bring in mike davis one year 1.2 million dollar deal just 152,000 in guaranteed money though with that said looking at the depth chart and with the injury uncertainness of jk dobbins and gus edwards mike davis could be a little bit more involved than maybe people are anticipating also took missouri running back tyler Beatty in the sixth round at wide receiver, Marquise Brown traded to the Cardinals alongside a third-round pick in return for the 23rd overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, setting up Rashad Bateman to work as the undisputed number one wide receiver in Baltimore. Also, Sammy Watkins signed with the Packers, and Miles Boykin signed with the Steelers. So this really is a situation where when you look at the Wolf Fullers, the Julio Joneses of the world, wouldn't be all that shocking if the Ravens add someone else before it's all said and done. Dwayne, I feel like, and I'm not trying to hate on uh, Julio, but like I 
thought Jarvis Landry was going to go to Baltimore because it just seems like all these veteran receivers that have maybe lost a step, you go to Baltimore, you'll have another good season or two, and then you'll get out of there. It's just, look, it's always been a great organization, and it's worked for a lot of these guys. Um, I was just personally surprised Jarvis didn't go there. But real quick, uh, tight end Eric Tomlinson, block first player. He's gone to Broncos. They replaced him with a pair of fourth-round picks in Iowa State tight end Charlie Kohler and Coastal Carolina tight end Isaiah Likely. As we all know, though, it's just the Mark Andrews show. So, Dwayne, I think all this just goes to show us that the Ravens seem confident enough in one. One of J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards being there for now. We did see them bring in Melvin Gordon for a visit before he ended up re-signing with Denver. And in wide receiver room, Rashad Bateman is being set up as the number one. I don't think those are changing. With that said, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Baltimore add the sort of veteran running back wide receiver that, you know, has fantasy Twitter in a frenzy for a couple of days, even if they're not necessarily going to have massive roles. Yeah, I think you could see them add one in both. I think they're just waiting right now. They're just going to see what happens. Um, you know, and it could even be something where they just kind of buy their time and wait for a cut. You know, I mean, maybe there's not anybody they really love on the market right now, um, but they think that that could change, you know, um, you know, as the summer goes along. So I think there's a lot of possibilities with the Ravens. But to your point, none of them really bother me. Now, like if Julio signed here, like that would be a big enough signing, right? In my opinion, Will Fuller, like those would be two things that, you know, and we're still going to like Rashad Bateman, but in an offense that we think is going to run the ball more, if you add another mouth, even if it's a little bit right, that that mouth needs to be fed and a, and a pie that we think is going to shrink, like that would be the bigger concern as far as a running back, whoever gets signed. Like, yeah, I think it could potentially signal that they don't think either one of their backs are going to be ready. But I think at the same time, most likely we would still be looking at, you know, once those two backs are, are, return right and they're back in the fold that whoever they sign probably wouldn't end up being much a factor you know in your stretch run for your fantasy season looking at the quarterback room lamar jackson and tyler huntley obviously it is the lamar show man oh not reporting to like voluntary offseason workouts just one thing after another with lamar and of course we had i won't throw under the bus but a certain espn uh, analyst just saying that you know lamar needs to do a better job winning from the pocket and just the same tired bullshit that continues to follow Lamar around. And I thought after the man freaking won the 2019 MVP, we could take a step back and actually treat this rational. But I, I don't know what it's going to take at this point. Like Dwayne, it's like people just don't even want Lamar to be arguably the already the best rushing quarterback we've ever seen. Like that's almost held against him. He's only compared against quarterbacks as a passer. Like just for once, man, can we just maybe throw the rushing production in that same graph? Like quit showing me Lamar Jackson versus someone like Jimmy Garoppolo and like holding as a negative while we're just ignoring the entire other part of his play. But you know what? Fine. Let's do that. And guess what? Lamar is still an above average quarterback at worst throwing the football. 60 quarterbacks with 300 plus dropbacks since 2018. He's 21st in PFF passing grade, 12th in quarterback rating, 17th in big time throw rate, 24th in turnover worthy play rate, 20th in yards per attempt. And yeah, I get it's not as pretty as someone like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady has it over the years. But Dwayne, like a big part of that is defenses can't guard Lamar like they do with those guys. So again, it just seems awfully strange to me the way all these dual threat quarterbacks continue to be treated. <sighs> I don't want to say it's all racism. Who knows what some of it is? Like, I again, I don't want to get into that whole side of things, but it's, I don't know what else Lamar Jackson needs to do here because the guy, again, he's number one all time in rushing yards per game. Like, what's a quarterback's job at the end of the day? The quarterback's job is to lead his team to points. You want to score points. Who cares how you score the points? And since the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson in 2018, only the Chiefs, Buccaneers, and Saints have more total points than the Ravens. So, with that, off my chest, real life slander aside, luckily fantasy football does reward these sort of dual threat quarterbacks and we don't need to have these sort of silly discussions in our lovely industry. So looking at Lamar Dwayne, we've kind of talked about these big five and you could even argue big six, shout out Jalen Hurst quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts. That's my order, but man, it's a tier you know, days go by that I'm I'm intrigued at putting Lamar all the way up to QB2. He was the QB2 last year and expected points per game. We know his rushing floor in terms of total yards is higher than anyone. We haven't gotten the touchdowns yet, but I don't necessarily think that's an indictment on Lamar's ability to find the end zone. Maybe we are just a year away from getting those 10-plus rushing touchdowns. And the best fantasy quarterback we have ever seen for an entire season was 2019 Lamar Jackson. So, Dwayne. 
how do you kind of sweet squeeze him in into the top six? Because again, luckily in fantasy football, we don't need to try to go under these arguments about whether or not he's an elite quarterback. We know he is, but how elite is he in order to take ahead of guys like Mahomes, Herbert, and Kyler? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously just the rushing floor um, that, you know, boosts him way up the ranks. I mean, I have him as my QB three, um, but he can't he, he can't he can't make the rank above, which is Josh Allen and Kyler Murray in my, you know, in my tier one. And it's because a lot of the things I know that we don't really have to dig into because it's fantasy and the rushing volume is so high, but he's just not the same passer as Josh Allen or Kyler Murray, right? He's not the same passer as Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. But the fact that if you have to pick one player off of our list of quarterbacks here and say, okay, if I had to choose the quarterback that I think is the safest bet to reach a thousand yards rushing in the season, it's easily Lamar Jackson. Like that has to be your pick. And that alone means that he needs to be in your top six quarterbacks at a minimum. If you want to move him around. And I, I know, I think you have Justin Herbert, a spot above him. I can't remember if you have Mahomes a, a spot ahead. And I think those I are do, fine. but eh, you know, but I think it's fine. <laughs> I think that, I think there's enough with Herbert to make that argument. And I have them in the same tier, but at the end of the day, it's just really all about the rushing prowess. Um, I am at this point, you know, like I don't put him in the same range as Kyler just because we've seen so much more as a passer from Kyler Murray. Um, and a lot of it does come back to some of these things. Like, I mean, we've just seen his passing grade go down every year, 85-3, 76-9, 65-9. Touchdowns per attempt went from 9% to 6.9% to 4.2%. Interceptions per attempt have gone up every single year. And really, like, again, in all scenarios, against pressure, against blitzes, across the board like Lamar Jackson has has regressed but he's also battled injuries um and sometimes you know it's still a you know we still have a short sample on Lamar Jackson he probably won't ever be an elite passer but at the end of the day like the rushing is really all that matters and he plays in an offense where we know they're willing to really scheme that up and design those things for him and so with a young player like Rashad Bateman getting to play on the outside and elite tight end on the inside um, the bind that that can put, you know, um, opposing defenses in. Like, I think there's still the possibility that we get back to Lamar being more of like, you know, somewhere around like 6% being touchdowns per passing attempt. And we don't see that that high for most quarterbacks. Like, it's tough to even get to a 6% like he was in his uh, third year. He's at 6.9%. In the year he went bonkers, it was a 9% touchdown per attempt rate, which is not sustainable. But I think we'd see him get back to like around a 6% in a healthy season. Um, and it's just, man, you have to really try hard to push him outside of your top five. So I think it's just a player that, you know, you get plenty of upside with him. Does he have the elite passing upside as the other guys? No, but he could score 10 rushing touchdowns. He could score 12 rushing touchdowns. Like there's just such a huge range or his, um, his high end range of outcomes as far as rushing touchdowns. is just so high to go along with the yardage. It's just, it's something you just don't have to overthink. Lamar's in 2020, Lamar scored more fantasy points from rushing than Ezekiel Elliott did from rushing. Like, that's how absurd it is. He, if he had not gotten hurt last year, he would own four of the top five seasons from the quarterback position ever in terms of total rush attempts. Like, it just really, even Mike, like, that's fine. If it's, I'm not trying to throw Mike Vick under the bus or anything like this, but like, in terms of productiveness, like, it just really hasn't been close. Rushing yards per game at 62.3 for Lamar versus 42.7 for Mike completely different eras and stuff. Like I, Oh man, imagine like Mike Vick actually getting to play in an offense that kind of used him on the ground, like Lamar, not just scrambling around all the time. So not, not in any way trying. I I hate when we got to kind of compare players across eras like this. It's a compliment to Lamar, not, uh, not, not trying to disparage Mike Vick by any stretch. So yeah, man, the one problem, Dwayne, we talked about, uh, Mark Andrews um, in the past and about how, you know, we are on him in the second round and all that. It's so tough to get Andrews, Lamar, and Bateman because Lamar and Bateman are going right next to each other, basically, in the fifth round. Impossible to complete kind of that wide receiver one, QB one stack. I personally just find myself continuing to wait a little bit longer and go Kylo Murray, who continues to go 10 picks after Lamar, kind of, in my opinion, inexplicably over underdog fantasy. But again, it's as we've, as we've kind of talked about, we talked about on the Browns podcast about the giant, you know, tight end two tier and also the kind of the wide receiver two tier um, over the course of these team previews. I think there is a case to be made for these top six quarterbacks. Just take the cheapest one that falls. Yeah, I think that's the easy way to think about it. Um, and it's not just that, right? It's just really that Kyler Murray is the guy that could 
throw for 5,000 and rush for 1,000. There really isn't another one. Like, there's not a carbon copy of him. Now, you, there's different ways to get to fantasy points, right? To your point, any one of the top five could really end up being the number one quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I love Lamar. And, you know, it's not really that hard to stack him with Mark Andrews, depending on the format you're playing in. Like, FFPC, it may get a little bit tougher based on the way because you're playing in one-and-a-half-point PPR so tight end premium, yeah. um, you know, for, for the tight ends. So that can be a little more difficult because of where they both go, but like getting Lamar, like over on DraftKings plus, um, you know, getting him with, uh, Mark Andrews is really, you know, it's doable. It's also doable over on, um, you know, uh, underdog. And I haven't done any of any of the MFL tens or anything like that. So I don't know, but on those three formats, I would say that on DraftKings and on underdog, you can get the, you can get the stack, um, because a lot of people will let Lamar slide because he's going in the fifth round. It is tough to get all three, but I don't necessarily want to, right? On a run-heavy offense like this, or one that has the potential to be run-heavy, um, it's typically I just want to have one of the other options. You know, now if Bateman slid to you, like for some reason in the sixth round, and you know, because normally he goes at the beginning. Uh, well, Bateman right now, yeah, is typically going into fifth, early sixth round and a lot of these drafts. So if that's happening and you can't get him, it's fine. If he slides back to you and you want to mix in a team or two where you have all three, I think that's fine. But my style usually on a run heavy offense, I just want to stack the quarterback with one of the other players yeah. uh, and then, you know, kind of go elsewhere for for the other stacks, maybe with my QB two on the team. Looking ahead at the running back room, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Mike Davis, Tyler Beatty, and Justice Hill still hanging around. Talk to Edwin Porras, Dr. Evan Porras, on the Monday edition of this podcast um, earlier this week. And basically, Dobbins does seem a little bit further behind in his recovery from the ACL injury because he did have additional ligament damage. Gus Edwards also isn't exactly looking like a sure thing for week one. And the other problem with Edwards is that he is older than Dobbins obviously he doesn't have the same sort of draft capital like ridiculously high-end athleticism that Edwin um, associates a lot of times with the best ability to recover from these ACL injuries so that's kind of the concern there for Gus and Dobbins but the thing is man the disparity like that is all being kind of baked into Edwards ADP I'm not so sure it is with Dobbins and Edwards is just one of these guys that people want to act like he doesn't exist man if you look at what happened in 2020 Mark Ingram was essentially phased out of the offense by week eight. He still had some carries here or there uh, in week 12. We had to play when Dobbins missed COVID, but looking basically at an 11 game sample we had in the second half of 2020, where it was JK Dobbins, RB one Gus Edwards, RB two. In this stretch, Dobbins had 53% of the snaps. Gus had 33%, but man, 128 rush attempts to 105 rush attempts, 16 targets to just 10 targets. So yeah, Dobbins was the lead back, but just 29 additional carries and targets in that 11 game sample. I don't think it's going away, man. Like they did give Edwards, not a huge contract, but enough of a multi-year deal to think that he's going to hang around. And why wouldn't they give him the ball? Gus Edwards is really good at football. I don't know why it's just so hard for people to admit uh, the funny kind of joke we've had going on in my tweets about it is that if he had like a hyphen in his last name or he just had a cooler sounding name, the guy would be going rounds ahead. But because it's just Gus Edwards, other than the cool, you know, Photoshop of his head on a bus, like there just isn't much going for him in, you know, this modern era of social media. So I hear it. Dobbins is awesome. Six yards per carry in 2020. Only other guys to do that since 2010. Jamal Charles, Rashad Penny, Alvin Kamara, Adrian Peterson, and CJ Spiller. How about Gus Edwards? Averaging at least five yards per carry in each of his first three career seasons. The only other running back since 2000 to reach that threshold at least three times with a minimum 100 carries. Jamal Charles, Nick Chubb, D'Angelo Williams, LaShawn McCoy, Brandon Jacobs, and Tiki Barber. Like, I just think that, like, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, if they make the same exact play, we're just overhyping it more with Dobbins and do this injury stuff going on, man. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why J.K. is continuing to go as basically a top 20 running back uh, in fantasy, depending on the kind of platform you're looking at, because we know we aren't getting targets. I'm sure we'll get a report from Baltimore at some point in July about them wanting to use the running backs or in the passing game. But we've talked in the past about scrambling quarterbacks like Lamar. They don't check down. They scramble as they probably should. You're Lamar Jackson. Use your legs. And when you're around the goal line, you know, Lamar seems to be just as much of a threat to score as Dobbins or Gus Edwards. Everyone always wants to come back to the Mark Ingram RB1 season. And yeah, we know it's possible, but are we really expecting, you know, either of these guys to score 15 touchdowns on only 228 touches? I'm not. So Dobbins, just there's not enough being baked into his injury right now. There's a good chance it seems like that he starts the year on the pup. 
I am far more willing to take Gus Edwards in the 14th round or later in these drafts. I have not taken J.K. Dobbins once so far. How do you feel about the situation, Dwayne? Yeah, I don't have any. Uh, I have one J.K. Dobbins share. Uh, I think it was actually on the live draft on Underdog with you and Nathan Yonke. Um, he just slid like 20 spots past ADP. But that was the only way that I would really gain any kind of exposure based on everything that I'm hearing. He's really just a name to avoid. I probably need to move him further down the ranks. I'm doing another refresh later this week. So that's probably something that I'm going to do um, with Dobbins. But I'm, I'm to your point, I can't believe that his ADP hasn't dipped. You know, um, he's still sitting there right now. I'm looking at underdog today and it is running back 21. Like I, I'm really surprised by that. So like whenever I'm sitting here looking, you know, at my ranks, you know, right in front of me and you got J.K. Dobbins sitting around players like Elijah Mitchell, Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Um, I would take both those players over him. I'll, I'll take Josh Jacobs over him at this point. Like, how do you how do we really even have him above Miles Sanders? You know, I mean, That's I think you point. can make an argument. Why do we have him above A.J. Dillon? Um, you know, so I mean, Tony Pollard. Yeah, I mean Tony Pollard. You start to get around into the Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, Kenneth Walker, um, and then you kind of have you know the guys that are explosive playmakers with receiving chops: Cordell Patterson, Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt. Like honestly, J.K. Dobbins should probably be more around the Miles Sanders to, to A.J. Dillon range, and I wouldn't blame anyone if they were taking those players over J.K. Dobbins. I have him as an RB three right now. All these players I just named, I have as RB threes. So, I mean, technically, I've got them all in a tier, but I do right now have him in a tier, uh, you know, within the tier kind of thing, a little bit ahead of those guys, and I'm going to have to move him down just because, I, and, you know, I another reason I love to draft, you know, is also just testing our convictions around these things, and I've got a list of players <laughs> because last week I hit it, like, hard and often like 27 different drafts I did and I've even done a couple more since then and so I have this list of players that even when they're like falling sometimes and I'm still not clicking on them like I'm like okay like I need to go back and look at this player again either I need to you know move them down my ranks because there's a real reason that I feel this way or I need to start drafting them because the data actually says that we should be drafting them and so JK Dobbins is one of the guys that are on that list. And he's going to need to be as good as he was in 2020 for him to kind of meet where he's being drafted right now. I, I went ahead yesterday. I took some of our expected points and got a cool little pivot table thing going on. I basically did it by team over the past two years to see like what backfields have had the most expected points. And at the top, Saints. Washington, which is so sad, but that's because J.D. McKissick gets so many freaking targets that if we could ever condense them into one person, it'd be great. But yeah, Saints, Washington, Chargers, the Colts were there, the Buccaneers. Those are your top five teams. The bottom five teams in terms of total backfield expected points, Ravens, Jaguars, Giants, Bills, and Texans. Now, you can look at the Jaguars and Giants and kind of write off like, okay, they've been terrible teams. That's why they don't have many expected points. That's fine. And same thing with the Texans. But for the Ravens and Bills, teams have still been putting up some points. This is what happens when you have guys like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson under center. It's great for the team. It's great for them. It's fine enough. It's not great for the – sometimes not great for the receivers. It's bad, objectively bad for the running backs. So unlike Cleveland – I mean, hell, Cleveland, man, like they've ranked 12th and 23rd over the past two years. Ravens 24th and 31st. So it's just one of those things where – not only do we need Dobbins to get healthy, we also need him to crush because he's not going to get that much fantasy-friendly opportunity. No targets to go around. Like I, I just don't want anything to do with it. With Gus, he is going outside the top 50, I think, on underdog. RB52, 166 pick overall. I continue to just be happy to take him in these later rounds of draft. Guys like him, Jamal Williams going in this range. I do think there's something to be said for these RB2s that, yeah, maybe they don't have the same sort of, you know, best case upside that an A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard have as the primary handcuff. But we'd still be looking at someone that's going to be ranked inside the top 24 should the starter be removed from the picture. Like, yeah. Dobbins without Gus would be ranked a lot higher than Gus without Dobbins, but we're still talking about someone going outside the top 50 running backs that has a chance if Dobbins is out of the picture to start the season will be ranked far, far higher. So Dwayne, like once you get outside the top 50 backs, guys like Tyrion Davis Price, Gus Edwards, Jamal Williams, and yeah, those are like the three guys, the last kind of remaining like flex with benefits tier where they're going 10, 15 spots after guys, I think with similar roles. I understand there's some injury concerns, but hey, it's the RB52. I'll take the injury concerns with the RB52, not the RB21. Yeah, totally agree. I think with Edwards, obviously, we've got concerns. He could start the season on the pup as well, which is four games instead of six now. 
So this is obviously going to be a big thing that we're going to continue to monitor through training camp and something that we'll have to come back and touch on. Um, so I, I think if Gus ends up missing, you know, the first four games, then I think, you know, maybe, you know, we move him down a little bit from here, but I think that's also part of why we're getting the discount that we are on Gus Edwards, because actually, if you think about it last year, it was interesting. The fantasy community was actually pretty sharp on Gus Edwards. And I know you were helping lead the charge on that, but we had a lot of people, you know, saying, Hey, we should. Gus Edwards is a, before the injuries, right? Either one of the players that Gus Edwards was a player that should be going in that around 11, 12 range because he was a could give you a spike week because he had a role already and they had just given him the new contract. And then also, if something were to happen to J.K. Dobbins, that big time contingency value. Obviously, both of them ended up getting hurt, so it didn't ever really come to fruition. But I think it's really similar this year. I think the big concern that's holding him down a little bit right now in ADP is people are still just a little bit worried that maybe he doesn't get to start the season. But what's interesting about it is what you mentioned earlier. People are ignoring that for J.K. Dobbins, but they're holding it against Gus Edwards. So um, I, I'm with you. I've got I've got plenty of Gus Edwards exposure. Um, you know, as far as all the drafts that I've done right now, and I think you name the right guys. Like I've got. Um, tier five, a right now for me has Gus Edwards, um, has Jamal Williams in it. Um, then I've got also, uh, Daryl Williams, which, well, maybe may, and I may need to change that one just because we're hearing all this news around, Eno Benjamin. Now we'll have to wait and see what, what that looks like during camp, but Daryl Williams is nothing special, but I, I do agree that Gus Edwards, I have Tyrion Davis price, um, I've got Tyrion Davis price, four spots above Gus. I've got Jamal Williams, two spots behind Gus. Yeah, I wrote an article last May that I just pulled up, breaking down basically the Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and the Ravens backfield. And the ADPs, when I wrote that, underdog ADP for Dobbins was RB17 and Gus was RB40. Like, the, again, very same situation in terms of the competition around. They're both coming off an injury. You can argue Dobbins, I don't think it's even an argument. Dobbins is coming off a more significant injury. And for some reason, Gus is the one being penalized more for it. Couldn't be me, though, Dwayne, and also couldn't be me ignoring the fine folks over at Underdog Fantasy. The best place to play fantasy football this summer is Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania Tournament has $10 million in total prize money. The best part is you just draft your fantasy football team. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Underdog gives you your best score each week of the season and the highest scores at the end of the year when. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. And if you play just 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball mania team today. Also, we'll give a shout out to our friends over at Manscaped, the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's time that you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Wide receiver room. This is gross. Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay, James Proge, Tylen Wallace, Benjamin Victor, shout out former Ohio State Buckeye, and Jalen Moore. Like, that's the thing, Dwayne. Julio Jones, like, he'd be the number two on this team probably. And Devin DuVernay, they use him more as like a gadget slot type, you know, give him the the Jimmy Garoppolo, like, patented six-inch pop passes and those kind of things. But, like, no offense to James Proge or the entire Proge family. Like, let's get a field stretcher in there potentially to have someone that can kind of force his defense to respect the deep threat. Never did replace Hollywood Brown yet, and that's why I tend to think that they could still be waiting to make another move. But we can't predict exactly the future in terms of what they're going to be adding to the situation. And because of that, Rashad Bateman looking really set up for a featured role. Now we do need to remember Mark Andrews, not every offense has to deal, not every wide receiver room has to deal with a tight end, potentially sucking in 150 plus targets in his own right. But in terms of Bateman, what did you what did you kind of think about his rookie year, Dwayne? I was a little bit underwhelmed upon going back and watching the, you know, hashtag watching the film. Made some nice contested catches in that Cleveland game. At the same time, when the guy hurt his groin in August, he had it pop up again in like week eight. I just don't think he was ever healthy. And the Ravens certainly seem to be thinking that they spent first round draft capital on him. Marquise, the Marquise Brown situation, I know he requested a trade, but I don't know if it's fair to say like they had to get rid of him. It seems like they're confident enough in Rashad Bateman being the wide receiver one that we should be as well. With that said, I did compare his year one metrics to 
46 rookies with at least 50 targets over the past five seasons. Bateman ranks 34th in PFF receiving grade, 36th in yards per outrun, 37th yards per reception, 38th in targets per outrun. So the 65.2 PFF receiving grade, I think that's barely in the bucket that we've still seen. You know, it's not the Devontae Adams bucket where we're literally hanging our hat on one player, hopefully, uh, you know, turning, turning that thing around. It's not ideal, though. So where do you fall on Bateman? Because while he's not exactly being... He's not the most expensive guy in the world, but like, why is Bateman going to do more than what Marquise Brown managed to do, who worked as a wide receiver 48, 43, most recently wide receiver 23 on a per-game basis, and we got Bateman going as a wide receiver 25. Yeah, I think people are just getting, like, the Bateman hype now is like getting a tad out of control. Um, and so I'm basically only drafting Bateman now when he falls past ADP and I moved him up in my ranks because ADP and, you know, I use ADP as kind of an anchor to help make sure, you know, that it's not just about having the things in right order, but allowing people to actually draft the best team possible. Right. right. So ADP has somehow got to bake into what you're doing, in my opinion, to really help someone, someone have a shot at drafting the best fantasy football team. And so, but at this point, like, because we do, we know that we've got this run heavy offense, um, we know that Mark Andrews has the potential to be a target hog. And remember, um, three is really a crowd, can be a crowd in a, in a pass heavy offense, right? But, you know, two can be a crowd in a run heavy offense. Um, now it can, it can often support, you know, two, like we've seen, uh, like historically a great example really is the 49ers. Anytime we're just trying to, f- to fit two players in things tend to work out. Like when you're looking at the 49ers historically, anytime you want starting to start supporting three, it really becomes a problem. So I think we make the argument that's still probably okay with Bateman, but I just start to worry that how much really upside do we have for a player like this? Whenever we're now talking about him pushing for being a top 24 wide receiver, right? And ADP, like I like him as a wide receiver three with upside, but when you make someone, you make me start having to draft him as a wide receiver two. I don't know how much wide receiver one upside. We really think Rashad Bateman has in this particular offense for this particular season. Overall, I do still like Bateman's profile. Um, I think he has a shot to break out. Like he's still a first round draft pick. He finished in a study that I did earlier this season, just looking at PFF rookie receiving grades. And then I went back and did another breakout receiver study, bringing in some additional uh, data points. And, And Bateman was still okay, especially when you look at his rookie receiving grade it was in the second bucket of players. So it wasn't in that elite group where they typically go on to hit and have some smash seasons. But whenever you pair the fact that he has the first round draft capital and he had a PFF receiving grade over 65, which was the threshold you needed to be in group two, 90% of those players have gone on to have a top 24 season in either season two or season three. So that could very well be, you know, Bateman this year. My my only concern with Bateman it, it now is what I mentioned, Ian. I think we're starting to draft him, not at his complete ceiling, but we're just not leaving ourselves much room for for error, right? I, I maybe Bateman could have a wide receiver one overall season. I but I think for that to play out, like we would need to see the Ravens drop back and throw the ball more again, right? And look, weird things happen. And a fantasy season like last year, we would have never thought that the Ravens would all of a sudden have to throw the ball more. There's a lot of things that could make them have to throw the ball more again in this season. And if that plays out, I think that's where you could start to get some upside um, from Bateman. My, My big concern, though, is Mark Andrews is is going to take a lot, <laughs> you know, he's going to take away a lot of the targets. And so he's still the player. And, and obviously he goes ahead of Bateman. You got to take him in round two, even in a non tight end premium type format. You know, if you want to get your hands on Mark Andrews, whereas Rashad Bateman, you're getting in round five. So like, he's right there borderline for me now. Like I'm fine with him, but typically I am waiting for him to fall past ADP uh, before I'm, you know, trying to acquire his services at this point with his, with where his ADP's at. Looking at the kind of group of wide receivers going right around him. I'm with you where I'm not in a position where I want to fade Bateman. I can I can see the breakout coming. Uh, you know, Matt Harmon just all over the guy, great things, and there's always excellent reception perception uh work to be said about Bateman. So Dwayne, we do a bunch of drafts, definitely gonna have some of Rashad Bateman. But if you're only doing one draft and we gotta pick between these guys, Rashad Bateman versus Gabriel Davis. Only doing one draft. Uh, I have Bateman one spot ahead. I have him in the same tier. I think I would still take Bateman, um, you know, because I'm going to bet on the talent profile over just the offense. Cause I think that's, this is a great example of where you truly are saying, okay, one player's in a great situation. Their comps are not great. 
like, you know, Gabriel Davis, like when you look at the comp list of players, you know, with his draft capital and that have had the seasons he's had, like it's, it's not real pretty. There's a lot of misses. There's a few hits. Like when you look at Bateman's, like we just told you 90% of the time, those receivers go on to have a wide receiver two season, um, you know, within the next two seasons, they're in the top 24. Um, so I would still lean to Bateman, but I literally have them ranked back to back 27 and 28. Cause the beauty of Gabe Davis is, and here's, here's what would be the argument for Davis. And you tell me where you land in the beauty of Gabe Davis is the fact that, um, even if he doesn't improve, if he just gets to be on the field and we've talked about this some in the past, so I won't belabor it, but if he's out there for 80% of the routes last year to begin the season, like until like week 12, he never saw more than 30% of the routes. This year, Gabe Davis is going to see 80 to 90% of the routes. I, I think it's going to be hard for him to not see 90%. On that alone, even if he doesn't improve and he only sticks with his 18% targets per route run, like he's going to be a wide, he's going to be a high end wide receiver three. And if he somehow takes a step forward, right, which is in his range of outcomes, we can't just say that he never would. If he takes a step forward, I think his boom season, the ceiling is bigger. So I think the floor with Gabe Davis is probably lower. I think the ceiling with Gabe Davis is higher. Rashad Bateman, I'm much more comfortable saying in the next two years, he's going to be a top 24 receiver. Like if you made me choose between the two and I had to put like five grand down, Dwayne, you have to choose right now in the next two years, which of these two players is going to be a top 24 receiver. I'd say it's Rashad Bateman. If you make me tell you which one has the highest upside the season, I think it's Gabriel Davis. I would take Gabriel Davis and we we've seen with similar situations like this, you do tend to lead a little bit more with the talent. I kind of look a little more at the offensive environment, but just like you, I have them ranked right next to each other. So not trying to call you a crazy person by any stretch of the imagination, but I really do think there's something to be said for Baltimore is going to add another wide receiver. I refuse to believe they're entering this year with James freaking approach as a top three wide receiver in the offense. And I think if they are going to add someone of substance, that will be enough to knock Bateman down just a tad. But so, some other guys around this range. Rashad Bateman versus Allen Robinson. Yeah, I've got Bateman right now a little bit behind Allen Robinson. So I'm taking Robinson. All right, I'm taking Bateman there. We're a little bit off here. How about Amon Ross St. Brown? Amon Ross St. Brown, I've got in the same tier, just a little bit behind Bateman. What about the guy? I guess I guess we do have Marquise Brown ahead of Rashad Bateman, but hmm. It's interesting, Dwayne. One of the more polarizing, uh, I think, fantasy choices this year, arguably. Because to your point, I don't know what Rashad Bateman's boom year really is. Like, if Mark Andrews is going to continue to be a number one pass game option, Bateman is one of these, like, really, him and the Chiefs wide receivers, those are the only guys I'm thinking in the entire league that we legit need to think of as number two at best pass game options. Like, Andrews is number one in Baltimore. He just happens to be called tight end. Yeah, I agree. And so that like that's the kind of the thing with Robinson. Like we've already seen him be a good player. Yeah. He's going to play in an offense that we know is probably going to run more passing plays. The Ravens run plenty of plays. Like historically, they're fine from that perspective. It's just they can get so run heavy. So with Robinson, I feel like you just have more outs. Um, you know, um, from a perspective of the offense that he plays in, even though we know Cooper Cup is going to be the number one, just like we know Mark Andrews is going to be the number one for the Ravens. This is a good example, though, of uh, something we were having a little Twitter discourse because we don't talk to each other enough, I guess, the rest of the time. But you brought up the good point that, you know, you mentioned before 27, however many drafts you did uh, last week. Running back, running back, running back has been one of your preferred starts. And I, I'm not even saying Bateman deserves to be in that tier with guys like DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, uh, Marquise Brown, stuff like that. But as we're going through these guys, like I do think it's pretty close and it's tough to like be fully on Bateman versus these other guys we were talking about. And I think that gives you more credence to the idea, load up on these running backs and take the wide receivers that are falling because I do think the teardrop off for running backs is much, much steeper once we start getting to these points compared to the wide receivers. Right. And I think the other component with some of the other wide receivers, it's just a lot easier. If you take Allen Robinson, it's a lot easier to still stack you know, Matt Stafford, you get Cortland Sutton a lot easier to still come back and get Russell Wilson later. Um, even if you take, you know, some of uh, you take, obviously Gabe Davis wouldn't be in that conversation. Um, but if you look at, you know, a player like Deandre Hopkins, you know, obviously Bateman's going ahead of him. I have Bateman ranked well ahead, but like, it's so easy to come back and get a Deandre Hopkins going. How many picks after Bateman? I mean, 23 picks, almost two rounds later than Bateman. Now, obviously, there's, and look, Hopkins isn't going to play for six games. So that's like, there's a reason for that. 
but you can also still get Rondell Moore in like round 12, you know, and probably be fine for the first six weeks. And then you have Hopkins down the stretch run. So there's just so many different ways to build these teams. And a lot of times, you know, I am attacking like these AFC and NFC West teams, plus the Bucks, plus the yeah. Bengals, plus, um, you know, the Bills. Like those offenses, I'm so heavy on. Like I drafted a team the other day. 70% of my players came from the 12 teams that account for 92% of the games that are going to go over 50 points. It's not like that every draft, but sometimes it just falls your way. And so, like, I don't have a problem prioritizing some of the players still over Bateman. Um, so, again, like Bateman sl- slid to me several times, and that's mostly how I've gotten my exposure. I was taking him at ADP, but as it continues to climb, like, He's one of the players I do worry is starting to get a little bit too steamed. Looking at the other options, Devin Duvernay, 73 targets in 32 games over the past two seasons. Proch has 23 targets in 28 games. Tylen Wallace, just six pass game opportunities last year, despite basically everyone other than Hollywood being banged up at one point or another. I've taken Duvernay in a couple drafts, I think in the very last round. I don't even feel really that good about that. Do you want anything to do with these guys? I only do it when I have Jackson and it's my last. Exactly. And I've only done it. I think I've done it twice. I think I've got Jackson like four times and twice I ended up with Duvernay at the very end. And if I've already stacked, I think I have one Bateman stack and one Andrew stack. If I'm correct, like just thinking off the top of my head, I don't think I stacked Duvernay on either one of those. Like, so I only did it on the two where I just didn't. Because Lamar, I'm also fine. Like, just draft. Lamar Jackson's one of those quarterbacks. Um, Jalen Hurts is also one of these. Trey Lance is one of these. Like, they're fine. They have weapons you can stack them with if you want to get one of the players. But, like, those players, those quarterbacks don't bother me, Ian, um, if for some reason I don't get to stack them, right? Because there's so much value in their ability to run the ball. You could even argue with Kyler Murray right? That is fine. If for some reason you don't come away with a stack. And that's one of the beauties of some of these quarterbacks like Lamar, like Kyler Murray, like Jalen Hurts. If for some reason, everybody just snipes all your stacks, you're still okay going with the player naked just because they are so good in the run game. And that's where a lot of their value comes from. And at the end of the day, um, I think, I don't think Kyler's in this bucket, but the other running quarterbacks, again, I just don't typically want to roster uh, two of their pass receiving options. This, so Julio Jones and Wolf Fuller, to a lesser extent, OBJ, he's just going to be hurt for so long. So I don't think that he deserves to necessarily be in the same tier as Julio and Fuller. But both these guys are going outside the top 80 wide receivers over at Underdog Fantasy. To me, Dwayne, it seems like the three teams, as I'm looking through all the squads right now, that seem most likely to add a wide receiver that would start right away in three wide receiver sets, Fuller or Julio. The Ravens, the Colts, or the Packers, I think, are probably the top three there. Ravens would be the worst one of those three, and I don't think that's too tough to say. But even then, man, they, we'd be taking them ahead of wide receiver 80 where they're going right now, but it's, it, it wouldn't be great if they land up in Baltimore. Yeah, and it would be just enough to potentially take some of the edge, right, off of Rashad Bateman, especially at the current ADP. And I agree. Yep. Like, that's one of the teams that are very likely. Like, if it was Odell Beckham Jr., I wouldn't worry as much because Bateman could just establish himself, right? So, like, so staunchly by the time that Beckham came back, like, if if Bateman's just been balling the whole season, it's not going to matter when Odell Beckham Jr. gets back. Like, he would be fine. But Julio, Will Fuller, those would be, you know, enough. Like, and I think, I think Rashad Bateman's ADP would come down if they sign either one of those players, which would probably be fine because then we would still be able to draft him, right? We would still still be okay drafting him. But to the point, like right now, how high you have to take him, um, like it's a, it's a little bit risky, you know, with Bateman, even though we really do like the profile of the young player. Tight end, Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Charlie Kohler, Isaiah Likely, obviously the Mark Andrews show, 153 targets last year, previous career high, just 98 Accordingly, career high marks in receptions, 107, and receiving yards at 1,361. Just missed the double-digit touchdown mark. So I I think I've seen some people question whether we can really get behind um, Andrews here because he did have a lot of success without Lamar under center, and he did. I mean, weeks 14 through 16, went for 11 catches, over a buck 50 and a score, 10 catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns, eight catches, 125 yards and a score with a combination of Huntley and Josh Johnson under center. But man, even in weeks one through 13 with Lamar, we're still talking about the overall PPR tight end two behind only Travis Kelsey. You look at Andrew since coming into the league, top three tight end and PFF receiving grade, yards per route run and targets per route run. 
We don't need more than one hand, probably not more than a few fingers to count the number of better tight ends than Mark Andrews. And Dwayne, like even putting that aside, even if Mark Andrews wasn't good, which is not true, he is objectively a freaking monster. The potential targets at hand, like there's just, I don't think there's anyone else you can put ahead of them. Right now in our PFF projections, we have Travis Kelsey going for 143 targets, Mark Andrews 137. The next tier is George Kittle at 113 and Kyle Pitts at 111. I have Kelsey as the number one tight end, losing Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's tough to get away from Kelsey as the number one. Mark Andrews, number two. But I am really fine taking Andrews where he's going right now in drafts, basically because of what we just talked about with that wide receiver two range. Like, once we kind of get to Andrews, yeah, we might be missing out on some guys like Higgins, Debo, the Chargers, wide receivers. But there's a chance you can even get one of those guys falling into the early parts of round threes when you're taking Andrews ahead of guys like DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, Javante. Again, it's not ideal, but I think there's enough value, still enough elite value, I should say, at running back and wide receiver in the early parts of round three to get away with taking Andrews in round two. And just as we kind of are giving Kelsey a nice bump for losing Tyreek Hill, I think Andrews probably deserves that same minor bump from losing Hollywood Brown. Where are you comfortable taking Andrews? I have him right now as my 17th player overall. Yeah, I have Andrew like as Andrews as my number two tight end. Um, as far as my overall um, ranks go, hang on one second. Like he's inside my top 20 for sure. But what he's a player I've been thinking a lot about though, because with what's going on in Tampa with Mike Evans, with Gronk now gone, you know, we know Godwin's going to start the year slow. I know we've talked about Evans and I have some red flags around him, but at this point it's like, I'm not taking Mark Andrews over Mike Evans. Like, you know, because if, if you know, and you've talked about it with Mike Evans, his ability to score touchdowns. I, I wouldn't I'm not taking Mark Andrews over Saquon Barkley. I'm a 25 year old, every down back, not doing it. Probably not going to take him over Leonard Fournette. Probably um, not going to take him. Uh, actually, I should just look like at where I've got him right now. Uh, <laughs> make things a lot easier. I think that's all fair. Uh, I, I have him right next. I've to got me. Andrews eighteen right now. Um, so I like, think that's good. Yeah, hold on. It just Aaron Jones, like DeAndre Swift and Mixon. That's kind of like when we start having to ask the questions. I think, and then the you know the T Higgins, Debo's of the world. That seems to be so. We're we're right there in that same spot. I'd agree. I probably should put Saquon one spot ahead of him, tight end or overall seventeen, eighteen. That seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah. So, um, like I've got him right there with Debo. Um, I've got Deandre Swift and Aaron Jones above him, but close Joe Mixon's above him. Um, like here, here's the deal. I'm going to get some exposure to Andrews and I don't think you have to force it. Um, because I, I've, you know, again, this is over the last 27 drafts I've done. This is not like a complete sample. You know, this, this is not like thousands of drafts, but I've noticed that like he will slide, like, you know, it just depends on the drafter and like, he's got, seems like he's kind of got a wide range, um, you know, where he could go really high. Somebody super excited about him goes at the beginning of the second round, but I've seen him make it into the early third round, like several times. So the further he slides, like the more likely it is that that's when I'll gain my exposure, you know, to Andrews. But if it's somebody that you want to be even to exposure versus the field or even slightly over to your point, like the profile is so good. Like when you just look at it, you know, the only thing that has ever held Mark Andrews back has been getting to be out there for enough routes. Like, so if you looked at him, you know, in his early career, 45%, 58% and 71% of the time he was in a pass. He was on the field when the Ravens were running a pass play in 2021, that got to 84%, which is elite. So now all the targets per route run, all that elite stuff that had already been there. And now you add into the mix that he's actually getting to be on the field over 80% of the time when the team drop backs to pass. Like it's just, it's tough to see a way that Andrews doesn't finish in the top three tight ends. Um, because like just thinking through like the roster construction of the Ravens, like how can they not have Mark Andrews out there at least 80% of the time? Like, I just don't think there's a way that they, that they can afford to have him off the field. You know, I think the way he basically is going to be getting breathers now is a lot of times just when they know for sure they want to run the ball and let him just get off the field for a few minutes, which we don't care. We don't even care if a tight ends on the field really that much on a run play. You are going to lose a few passing snaps because it's the chance to audible at the line, that kind of thing. Um, but man, 33% of his team's target share in the end zone. Uh, I mean, like, there's just too many and he's explosive. Like he can break yeah. the big play from anywhere. He can stretch the seam. He can run after the catch. 
he's one of these players. He has a lot of outs. He has a lot of outs. Like he's going to be the main guy on his team. He can, he can get to you deep. He can run after the catch. He gets targeted a ton in the end zone. It's just going to be really hard for Mark Andrews to miss. Even if our target projection is a little lofty and it comes down to the Kyle Pitts, George Kittle range. Yeah, exactly. He can still make plenty out of that. Still return that top three value. I went to look at my tight end exposure over at underdog fantasy, and he is my fifth highest zone tight end. At the moment, uh, he's fourth highest among players that are actually playing football this year, though. Dwayne, gotta love uh, that Rob Gronkowski value, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> That's my overall thoughts. But, that. you know, yeah, but yeah would be my thoughts on that. <laughs> no. um, look, with, with Gronk, the... Look, I think the process, I know this is the funny part, right? <laughs> the process, process was right as his entire family left him behind. And here's the beauty. We will, I will say with Gronk, we were pretty much saying, look, don't, don't like go into the season. Like with Gronk as your only player, especially in best ball. Like it, we were actually encouraging like take three, you know, and you, you were even saying, Hey, well, Cameron Bray, you can take him with your last pick. Like if you're really worried about it. So there was some insurance there, but look, it's just, it's the way it worked out. And who knows, maybe we'll still see Gronk this season. Um, but yeah, looking at, looking at Andrews, definitely, you know, one of these elite tight ends. I don't think we have to talk about it anymore. Number one target on this team. Quickly rehashing everything we just talked about. Lamar Jackson, anyone's idea of a top six quarterback. Dwayne has him QB three. The more I think about it, I am thinking about moving him up from five to three myself at running back. Concerns for both Dobbins and Gus Edwards, the differences. One of them, you have to eat those concerns as a legit top four, top five round pick. The other one is available, you know, into rounds like 14 and 15. Because of that, we are largely out on Dobbins until we get better news on his medicals. Gus Edwards is a fine late round dart. Wide receiver, pretty much around consensus on Rashad Bateman. Just, you know, keep in mind that maybe that ceiling for this year isn't going to be the highest based on this likely run-heavy offense. Don't care about any of the other wide receivers unless you want to throw a final round dart at Devin DuVernay to complete that Lamar stack. Mark Andrews, both of our tight ends twos, ranked in the top 18 players. Don't be afraid to snag them in the second round of fantasy drafts of all shapes and sizes. Sound right, Mr. McFarlane. Yep, pretty straightforward offense. Um, I, I think there's plenty of, you know, opportunity to like have, you know, good exposure to these players, but not have to be over. Um, and I think the beauty of it is that it is pretty simple. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. To your point, I do think they will add someone else. That doesn't bother me at all with Andrews. Bothers me a little bit with Bateman, but mainly just because how steamed his ADP is starting to become. Next up, everyone, we're going to have the NFC North team previews coming. I, I don't know about you guys listening, but I just cannot wait to hear Dwayne talk about Alan Lazard and these Green Bay wide receivers and just the rant that we have waiting for us. Like, Dwayne, like usually we get to the positions and I kind of say my two cents and then throw it over to you. When we get to Packers wide receivers, like I'm just, I might go get a beer or something. Just I, I will kick back, go on give mute. you the floor. And go from there. But yes, we're going to have one more week of team previews. And then we're going full on redraft mode. Probably going to go down to three or four episodes per week. So not too much different, but really just want to focus more so now on the strategy, get some more guests on the podcast because we spent, again, a lot of freaking time going through player by player, team by team, getting our thoughts on that important thoughts on that done, but also out of the way. So now that, you know, we don't need to spend 20, 30 minutes talking about how good a player might be, you know, in July and August when we probably should be focusing more on where they fit within the strategy realm of things. So that sound about right to you, Dwayne. I, I love it, man. Let's go. Yeah, that sounds excellent. It's a, it's a great year to be great, Ian. Amen to that. So keep an eye out for uh, Dwayne's ever excellent work on PFF.com. Several best ball strategy articles out this week for those of you looking to go win some money, which why the hell not? Sounds good to me as always. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks to those for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care. Everybody.